the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. We must fight and defend our families in prayerful and practical ways. Now, you're not going to get this point if you think that our families are not under assault. Because then you'll read this and you'll go, what, what, what do you mean fight to defend? What, what, you know, what, what is happening? Listen, you know, unless you've been living under a rock the last five to ten years, Christians specifically, and therefore Christian families generally, are under attack. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Nehemiah. When it comes to self-defense and the defense of others, such as family, we tend to hear a rather wide variety of opinions and views. When looking at it from the perspective of Scripture, we often end up with two very strong yet opposing views. So just what does Scripture teach regarding self-defense? In today's message, Pastor Gary teaches us about the daily attacks against our faith and family. In our study, we learn about the importance of being diligent in protecting our families in both prayerful and practical ways. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Nehemiah 4 for part two of today's message titled, Fight for Your Family. Your family's worth dying for. Your faith, your personal life. There are some things that are important to defend. Not aggressively assault, but defend. You know who else in the Bible told his followers to pick up some swords? Jesus did. It's an often overlooked passage, but it's Luke 22. The scene is, it's the end of the Last Supper. At the end of the Last Supper... Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 22, verse 36, if you have a cloak, sell it and buy a sword. You're going to need a sword. That's what he tells them to do. He knows he's about ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows things are going to get ugly. And he tells his disciples, if you have a cloak, sell it and buy a sword. Well, apparently, a couple of them had a couple already stashed underneath their little tunics. Because in Luke twenty two thirty eight, 38, the disciples said, well, we have two. Is that enough? And Jesus says, that's enough. <laughs> you know Peter had one of those swords. You know Peter had one of those. <laughs> Jesus says, okay, that's enough. Now they go off to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, please note, there are two swords among 12. 11 apostles, Judas is gone, and Jesus. Okay, there's 12. Two swords. It's not like Jesus is recruiting or training an army here. Okay, that's not his objective. Okay, 
It's just two swords among 12. And it's not that he is recommending to use those swords in any kind of offensive, aggressive, violent way. Because the moment Peter does, he gets rebuked. Remember in the garden, they go to the garden, things get chaotic when the, when the Romans come to arrest Jesus. Peter draws his sword. It says he cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. You know he was going for his head. He's just a bad shot, all right? <laughs> cut off his ear, and Jesus immediately rebukes him. Just put your sword back. He who draws the sword will die by the sword. And the last miracle recorded that Jesus does is to pick up the ear off the ground and slap it back on that guy's head, having to fix another one of Peter's messes. All right, here, all right, Peter, here. Just I'm going to slap it back here and make, your, make, it, make it just right. But anyway, can you imagine if Peter actually was successful and hit the whole head? That would have been an even more awesome miracle, wouldn't that have been? <laughs> put the head back on, spin it around. It's been incredible. My point is, though, notice when Peter tried to use the sword aggressively, violently, offensively, Jesus rebuked him, put it back. So in other words, two swords among 12, not an army. Peter gets rebuked for doing something aggressively. The idea is Jesus is saying, defend yourself. It's okay to defend yourselves. It's okay to defend what is important. Now, look, I do personally believe... And I said this on our Q&A Sunday back in January. I got a question in all four services about Second Amendment, right to bear arms, all this kind of stuff. I do personally believe that Nehemiah 4, Luke 22, is a basis for why if you, if this is a personal decision every family has to make, okay? I personally believe that Nehemiah 4 and Luke 22 are scriptural basis for why it's okay to defend yourselves to bear arms. All right, never to aggressively assault or violently use weapons to harm or injure anyone, but on the basis of self-defense. I think Nehemiah 4 and Luke 22 make a strong case for that, but that's your personal, you have to make that personal decision. I don't want this teaching to be about the Second Amendment, though, all right? But I'm mentioning swords and spears because we see it in the story here. What I want this to really be about is how can we prayerfully and practically defend our families, in our story through Ezra and Nehemiah, we've been making a long list of things important to our church and what we need to be about and how we need to be encouraged and challenged. So it's number 20 on the list, if you've been keeping track. We must fight to defend our families in prayerful and practical ways. Now, you're not going to get this point if you think that our families are not under assault. Because then you'll read this and you'll go, what, what, what do you mean fight to defend? What, what, you know, what, what is happening? Listen, you know, unless you've been living under a rock the last five to ten years, Christians specifically and therefore Christian families generally are under attack. It is happening in our world today. And let me tell you the three primary fronts that the attack is coming, Okay. Physically, spiritually, and culturally. Those are the three main fronts that we are facing as Christians and in fighting to defend our families. Okay, weapons aside, all right? I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, I'm saying prayerfully and practically, what are the ways that we should be praying for our kids, for our marriages, for our families, and what are some of the practical safeguards that we need to put in place for the preservation and defense of our families? This is our bean patch. All right? And we can't give up our ground. 
But there's an attack, physically, spiritually, and culturally. Now, let me talk about the first one first. Physical attack against Christians, persecution. This is the one that is probably least familiar to us because we enjoy the comfort and the freedom for now in America. And physical persecution we're just sheltered from. But every once in a while, I want to remind us of it because I don't want us to live in a bubble of the Washington metropolitan area and think that there's not a real and imminent threat against Christians because there are around the world. In case you didn't see or hear the news because they didn't really talk about this too much, you may have missed, so I'll tell you now, that last Sunday when we were enjoying a wonderful Easter service, thousands of us gathered together, people worshiping Jesus, Christians in Pakistan who gathered on Easter Sunday morning in a public park to worship the risen Jesus were met by an Islamic terrorist who blew himself up in the midst of their worship service. Seventy-two Pakistanis died, 17 of whom were Christian, uh, sorry, were children. And these were just Pakistani Christians getting together in a public park to worship the risen Lord on Easter Sunday. An Islamic terrorist comes in, a group who identifies themselves as Jamaat ul Arar, meaning freedom fighters. The spokesman for the group, a guy by the name of Esanullah Esan, this is according to the Wall Street Journal, took responsibility for the suicide bombing that killed many Pakistani Christians. And Esanullah Esan said this his group, quote, carried out this blessed operation targeted the Christian festival of Easter. They admitted in a statement, we specifically targeted Christians. We wanted to kill Christians. Earlier this month, just a couple of weeks ago in Yemen, ISIS militants raided a Catholic home for the elderly established by Mother Teresa. This is, this is an old folks home, okay, that Mother Teresa starts. ISIS militants enter it. They murder four nuns, kidnap the Catholic priest, threatened to crucify the priest on Good Friday. It didn't happen as far as we know, but we haven't seen of the priest since. Last week, this is all current stuff. Last week, four Bible translators who were working incognito in the Middle East, working for Wycliffe Bible translators, were killed by Islamic terrorists who discovered their office. The attackers shot two workers to death and then beat two more to death with their empty pistols. And this is to say nothing of the kind of persecution that Christians are experiencing in other parts of the world, like Syria and Iraq and North Korea and other places, where they are beaten or imprisoned or even worse, killed. According to Open Doors Ministry, which is a ministry that tracks the persecuted church around the world, each month, on average, each month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith, 322. Each month, 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed. And each month, on average, 772 forms of violence are committed against Christians, such as beatings, abductions, rapes, arrests, and forced marriages. Christians are being persecuted physically. The family is under assault physically. It's just that it escapes us in large part because we enjoy the comfort and security of America for now. But it's a real threat. Secondly, there's a spiritual threat against the family, against Christians. Now, this one I'm really not going to spend any time on because four weeks ago, thereabouts, 
when we were looking at the gates of Jerusalem, we talked about the horse gate. The horse gate was the gate of war. And I spent a whole teaching that weekend talking about spiritual warfare. Uh, so I encourage you to go back and listen if you weren't here for that. It is a real threat. Satan uh, works to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates you. He hates your marriage. He hates your kids. He hates that you look like your father in heaven. He's going to do everything he can to attack you in, in the unseen realm. Some churches spend too much time fixated on spiritual warfare. Other churches deny it, that it exists altogether. And so what we're about is finding the balance. Scripture talks about it, Ephesians 6. Not every conflict we have is a is a horizontal conflict. We have to be aware of this. Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he says, therefore, take your stand, put on the full armor of God, so you will be able to take your stand when the day of evil comes. Not if, but when the day of evil comes. So there's the reality of spiritual warfare against us. We have to be on our guard about it. But that said, that was devoted to an entire teaching a couple of weeks ago. You can listen to that later. I want to spend the remaining few minutes on this cultural attack. Because we're living in a day when our children are having to wrestle with issues and they're faced with issues that are confusing like we've never seen. The last five to ten years, things have been rapidly unraveling in our culture like I can't remember in my lifetime. I mean, a decade ago, certainly a generation ago, we're facing things right now we would never have thought we would be facing. And I shudder to think what the next generation will be facing. If we're dealing with stuff, we think, man, I never thought we'd be facing this kind of thing. What will they be facing in a generation to come? Things like same-sex marriage and transgender issues and legalization of marijuana and abortion and school shootings and all this kind of stuff that is happening. And just to illustrate the cultural impact of these issues, and I, and I want to make this point and I want to preface it by saying this. We should all have deep compassion for people who have gender identity issues, okay? That, that, that can be a real struggle that people go through. But our world is trending towards a very unhealthy place, culturally speaking. And here's the example I want to give. This past week, on Wednesday of this week, North Carolina passed a bill that was passed by their legislature and signed into law by their governor, the governor of North Carolina, Pat McCrory, on Wednesday, signed this law, and they've come under tremendous criticism for this law. Now, here's what the law is, okay? I'm going to simplify it. Here's what the law is. You tell me if this is a common-sense law. The law that North Carolina passed, the governor signed this Wednesday, simply says this. You cannot use a public restroom unless the sign on the door matches the gender on your birth certificate. That's kind of common sense, right? You want to teach your kids, hey, God made you with this certain anatomy. That means when you go to a bathroom, you're going to look at this sign, you're going to use that restroom. So North Carolina passed this common sense law that says the, the gender on your birth certificate will dictate which restroom you use. All right? It's kind of plain and simple. Up in arms. Up in arms. Major corporations in North Carolina, PayPal, Bank of America, and Dow Chemical came out publicly denounced this law. CNN ran an article on it calling the law controversial. When, when was it controversial to say, if you're born a man, you're going to use a men's restroom? When did that become controversial? Controversial, ugly, and discriminatory. And the NBA has weighed into it. 
Because in 2017, the NBA is going to have their all-star game in Charlotte, North Carolina. NBA came out this week after that law was signed by the governor, said, we're not sure we're bringing the all-star game to your state. Because of this law, what has happened? What has happened is common sense has been hijacked by political correctness. That we can't even use a restroom now based on the gender I was born with, based on my chromosome makeup. Let me also show you something else. And this is just to illustrate the kind of ways that our culture is trying to grab your kids and form your kids' minds and hearts into the image of the world. There's a whole genre of books that, that dabble in the romantic demonic novels. This is the number one book right now on the New York Times bestseller list in the category of young adult hardcover books. They are appealing to your teenagers, particularly your teenage girls. All right? I don't know how many guys are going to read Lady Midnight. But, uh... <laughs> but anyway, this is the book. And it's all this demonic romance novel stuff. No, this is number one on the New York Times bestseller list in the category of young adult hard, hardcover books. And this is what one critic wrote about this book, in favor of this book. This is what one critic wrote. It'll give you an idea what the book's about. Quote, fans of the series who want more forbidden love with a demon-hunting backdrop will adore the start of a new series. You know... I've always wanted a little forbidden love with a demon hunting background to it. That's this book. And it is appealing to your young adult girls in particular to try to get them. Listen, it's, it's like it's normalizing and it is mainstreaming the demonic to make your kids think, well, that's normal, right? No, it's not normal. Here's another not normal book. This also came out last week on the new releases on Books A Million it's called Half Lost by Sally Green. In my opinion, it should be entirely lost. But anyway, <laughs> and here's the synopsis of this wonderful book. Quote, their most critical weapon, 17-year-old witch Nathan Brin, has killed 52 people. And yet, he's no closer to ending the tyrannical, abusive rule of the Council of White Witches in England. End quote. What's, what's, what's the matter with witch... What's his name here? Nathan. Which Nathan? He's only killed 52 people. Come on, step it up, Nate. Kill a few more. But this is, this is the stuff that now is trying to infiltrate culture and is assaulting your kids. Be aware of it. And I don't even have time to... I'm going to take the picture down. I don't even have time to deal with all the other influences in our world. TV, movies, internet, cell phones, music, etc., etc. Now, don't leave here thinking, oh, this guy's against books and cell phones and TV and movies. No, I'm not. Not at all. I enjoy those things. But we need to be wise and discerning in this age because our culture is using media and the influence of music and all other kinds of things to grab your kids' minds and hearts, and, and for that matter, even as adults, and to shape us and to transform us into the cultural norm, whatever that is. We need to stand our ground. And we need to say, well, I see these influences, and I see these redefinitions of the family, and I, I see all these other things that are happening, and these laws that are being passed, and laws that aren't being passed, and all. I see all this. I live in a real world. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. And we're going to take some practical steps to safeguard these things and make sure we stay true to God. Listen, a word to you parents. Monitor what your kids watch and read and who they hang out with. And by the way, if they want a cell phone and you're paying for it 
and even if, they're, even if you're not paying for it because they have a part-time job, but they're still living under your house, you make sure track my iPhone is a part, of the, a part of the stuff that you hand to them so that you can at any time pull up the GPS and know where they are. Amen. Yeah, for the first, first three services of today, they're all like, is that okay? Can we applaud that? We're not really sure. Can we track our kids? You can track your kids. Use a little GPS. Track your kids. Find out where they are. That's going to make them think I don't trust them. I trust my kids. I know you trust your kids. I just don't trust the world that is trying to assault them. I don't trust other, other forms of our cultures trying to infiltrate their hearts and minds. You need to be able to look on their computers. No secret passwords. You ought to be able to have access and know the passwords to their Facebook account, Twitter, Instagram, everything else. Everything's in play. You should have access to all of it. You should know who their friends are, who they want to date. You should know what music they're listening to. In other words, stop trying to be their BFF and be their parent. That's the idea. Fight for your family. Fight for your family. Now, when your kids, and I know I'm not endearing myself to the younger generation right now. It's okay. I got something to say to you directly, so hold on. Don't tune out, all right? But listen, if your kids start pushing back, going, this isn't right. There are too many rules. You're just a controlling parent, and, you know, I don't want to live here. And I don't, nah, nah, nah. Listen, you look, them, you look them straight in the eye, and with love, you say, listen, you're my bean, and this is my bean patch. And I'm going to fight to defend you because the world's trying to destroy you. Okay? That's what you tell them. I had a... Between services, I was outside, and this lady was leaving the service with her kids, and she said, I'm taking my beans. We're going home. (laughs) So let me just say a word to those of you who who were the young adults in the crowd, and especially those of you who are still living at home. But even if, if, if you've left home, this is important truth in general to hear. First of all, Despite what you might think, your parents do love you. They love you deeply. But they can't monitor you 24-7. I mean, no parent really can monitor 24-7. So, it's on you. It's on you to be accountable to God yourself. And to live a life that glorifies Him. To be different in your culture. Nobody wants to feel odd. Nobody wants to feel different. But let me tell you something. The the world and Satan are trying to rip you off. And they want you to believe the lies that you'd be better off without God, your parents, or any rules in your life. And Satan in this world will make a fool of you. They will play you for the fool. So you're going to have to stand up because God is looking for some Esthers and some Daniels in this generation who will say, I know what the rest of the world does. I know what some of my friends do, but as for me, I'm going to stand for the Lord and I'm going to live my life for the glory of God, even if everybody else thinks I'm weird, even if everybody else does what they want to do, I'm going to live my life for the glory of God. That's on you. That's on you. And I'll end with the verse that we began with, the main key verse of chapter 4, verse 14. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Folks, stand your ground. Fight for your marriages. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. If you have kids, fight to defend them. 
Stand your ground, don't give up an inch. And I trust that as it ended with the story of Shema and the Lord will give us the victory. Nehemiah faced a daunting task of leading one of the waves of returning exiles and rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. The work was hard and slow and filled with setbacks and struggles, including enemies who came up against them. The great thing about Nehemiah was that he wasn't a priest and he wasn't a Levite. In fact, he wasn't in professional ministry in any way. You may not be a pastor, but God can use your experience and willingness all the same. Who knows what amazing things he may have in store for you if you'll open yourself to his leading and step out in faith. You have a great journey awaiting you. Just ask God to open your eyes to his plan. We'd love to pray for you along this journey, too. Are you facing a difficult situation? Call us and share your prayer requests at 703-771-1500. To hear more great messages from Pastor Gary Hamrick, look us up online at cornerstoneconnection.cc or subscribe to our podcast. You can also take Cornerstone Connection with you on our mobile app to listen to whenever and wherever you are. That's it for today. We pray you continue to seek God in your everyday experiences and that you feel His presence in your life today. Be sure to tune in again for another exciting edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not a Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.